Welcome to Season 2 of Do Good and Do Well. My name is Sarah Fox and I'm a life and leadership coach and founder of the Do Good and Do Well community. And this is a podcast where we explore how to be a changemaker without losing yourself. Let's get to it. Hi everyone and welcome back to season two of the Do Good and Do Well podcast. I am really excited that there's a season two. Uh, Wasn't quite sure what was going to happen to the podcast but I have really loved doing it and the feedback from all of you has been brilliant so thank you, thank you, thank you. So season two I have got some real treats in store for you. I've already done some of the recording and they are waiting to be let out in the world. In episode two, I am chatting to comedian Rosie Wilby and she has her own podcast called The Breakup Monologues, which I really suggest you go and listen to because they are brilliant. Rosie talks about relationships and breakups and how you can do that consciously and ethically. Here's a little sneak preview. It may be that you go on to become great friends and you have a different type of relationship and also any relationship that lasted for any length of time probably was a real success Mm -hmm. for the time that it lasted. We're too quick I think to build relationships that end as failed relationships yeah. and I think that's a language that we need to need to reconsider mm. because if yeah you know, particularly if you manage to uncouple consciously <laughs> um, I mean I don't credit uh, Gwyneth Paltrow with inventing conscious uncoupling I credit lesbians because the lesbian community has been a tiny community yeah. and actually really had to pioneer some form of conscious uncoupling mm. because there was no way when you know decades ago women all met in in little social groups in in each other's houses mm. and there was no way that you could get away from your ex you were going to see them as part of that social group they were yeah. probably going to get together with one of your other friends so lesbians have had to negotiate this really painful situation of still seeing your ex we had a really juicy conversation and i can't wait for you to hear that i've also spoken to an amazing young woman called romana malcolm who is already a business owner an entrepreneur and has a mindset that i would have absolutely loved when i was in my early 20s it seems to have taken me a lot longer to get to where she is Romana is a dancer, she works with young people, she's got some really great stuff to say about young people and leadership and she is putting it into practice with her work. This is what she has to say about turning passion into purpose. And actually that wasn't turning my passion into purpose, it was turning my passion into a side hustle and I think the two are very different so one thing I always instruct people to do is find where you're most in flow Mm -hmm. and that often comes from a great sense of joy and actually it not feeling like work so often I'll be in the dance studio creating or talking to people about business and it would just feel like I'm in flow I won't feel like I'm on a job or that I'm working for something and from that moment I knew okay this is my flow and if I can Mm -hmm. turn this 
into my purpose and marry the work with it, then I'll just continue to love what I do. So for me, it's about finding where you must inflow and doing more of it. In today's episode, I thought I would talk a little bit about me and who I am and where I come from. I feel like is a really important part of my story and why I'm so passionate about what I do and why I want to create this community for change makers. I grew up on a really working class estate. It didn't have the best reputation in the area and I grew up in Pool in Dorset which is known for its beautiful beaches and it is a really great place to live. My dad was a disabled man. He had cerebral palsy. He worked in a factory. My mum worked in retail and they worked really, really hard to provide for my sister and myself. We had a really good childhood. We lived in a cul-de-sac. We had loads of friends. We were, you know, that kind of in and out of each other's houses. It was brilliant. We played a lot of bulldog um you know trying to avoid that white dog poo does anyone remember that it, like dog poo used to turn white it must have been something in their food is it an 80s thing i don't know anyway um it was it was a really fun childhood it was really hard to see my dad struggling with his disability it wasn't really that it was his disability, actually. It was more that he never really felt like he fitted in. He was a really sociable person, but he just didn't feel like he belonged. And he got passed up for promotion quite a lot. And that was really difficult to watch. When I was 11, I passed the 11 plus and went to a grammar school, which... I actually really loved, don't get me started on the whole grammar school system thing, but I, I really loved it. And I made amazing friends, friends who I still love dearly. And what came with that was a sense of me feeling excluded. I started to feel excluded from the community that I had grown up with because I started to look different. I was doing different things. I wore a different uniform to most of the young people that lived there. That was quite hard because I didn't really feel like I belonged at the grammar school either. So it's quite tricky. And like most people wanting to fit in, you start to mould, you start to change, trying to find your place. I didn't have a great body image I had ginger hair which I hated I still have ginger hair I had a brace which I hated <laughs> I didn't like myself very much and that took a while to change so I then went to university I did drama and absolutely loved it but again, I always had this feeling that I didn't quite fit in I was a really sociable person. I had been really shy as a child but that did change as I got older but I still felt like I was different. I came from a different place. I've always wanted to make a difference in the world even from a really young age. I would volunteer at school, 
at one point I set up a petition because the girls were not allowed to wear trousers. I thought that was totally outrageous. So I did a petition and got lots of parents and children to sign it, presented it to the head teacher, and they changed the rules, which really demonstrated to me that putting yourself out there can make a difference. The ironic thing is that my daughter refuses to wear trousers to school now. So I would do all sorts of volunteering. I volunteered throughout my entire life. When I did my degree, I was really interested in how the arts and creativity could contribute to making the world a better place. I wanted everybody to have access to the arts because I just knew they were so important. They had been really important to me. When I left university, I was a teacher, performing arts teacher, which was brilliant. I really loved working with those young people, but I felt like I wanted to do something more on the ground. I felt like I wanted to do something that felt more impactful to more people. So I became a community artist for a housing association and I was the only person employed in an arts role within that whole organisation and there were about 700, 800 people. I had a really fantastic time. I worked in neighbourhoods across the southeast of England. I met so many brilliant people. I worked with so many different groups from young people to the Gypsy and Traveller community to young carers and... I think if I could sum up my learning, one piece of learning from that role is in it is that people are different. We all have our own different experiences. We all see the world in a different way because we all have our own filter that has been created by all sorts of things. And we are all the same. We all have fears. We all have worries. We all have dreams and ambitions. We are all fragile. We all make mistakes. And that was such an important lesson for me around the commonalities of people and how you can bring people together. So then... I was made redundant. Uh, I was also going through fertility treatment at the same time. And then I got a job for this amazing organisation called People United. I was there for 10 years. I'm still involved. I absolutely loved that job. I started off as project manager and ended up as head of creative programmes. And the organisation is all about how arts and creativity can build kinder, more caring communities. So it was absolutely the thing that I wanted to do and had a mission that I was so driven by. We set about really developing a values-led methodology around working with people and I commissioned many, many artists to do amazing things. We worked in communities over long periods of time, exploring how arts and creativity can build connections, increase empathy, increase volunteering, all that kind of stuff, and did a huge amount of research with the University of Kent, in particular the psychology department, 
if you're, I'm not going to talk too much about this, but if you are interested, I would really recommend going to have a look at their website, which is peopleunited.org.uk. I'd always seen how much people give, you know, when you're driven by social justice, when you want to make a difference in the world, you will give and you will give and you will give. And unless you look in and remind yourself and be really practical about what is it that you need to nourish yourself so that then you can help others, what ends up is you feel depleted, you feel resentful, and actually you're not really making the impact you want to make. I was in this role and loved it in many, many ways. However, I didn't really feel excited, as excited about it as I had before. And that wasn't anything to do with the organisation. That wasn't anything to do with the work. That was me. That was me starting to feel a bit resentful because I had stopped thinking about what I really wanted. I had turned 40 and I was starting to think about what is it I want to do for the rest of my life. I also realised and I've said this many times, I was using up all of my kindness, my goodness, my compassion, my care for the people I was working with and the people who were participating, the projects. But by the time I got home, I was depleted and I didn't really have anything left for my children, for my family, for my husband. And I certainly didn't have anything left for me. So I decided to leave that job, that role, huge really difficult decision but absolutely the best one I spent about a year faffing around and then I decided to set up my coaching practice Covid hit I coached 100 people for free over 100 days and then set up the do good and do well community so a potted history but I suppose to sum it all up the key things for me about this are social injustice creating a world where people feel like they belong and creating a place where people can be themselves and that they can care for themselves as much as they care for others so that they can really make an impact in the world and live a life that feels good for them. I've set myself a goal this year to really grow the Do Good and Do Well community so that I can support individuals, support organisations to do good and do well. You know, I really believe that's possible and I would really love it. I would appreciate your support in doing that and there are a number of ways. Firstly, if you think this podcast would be useful to someone, if you feel it would inspire them to think about themselves, to think about the impact they're making in the world, then please do share it. Please share it across all social media. I'm pretty much on all of them. And if you could hashtag do good and do well, that would be amazing. You can buy me a coffee. You're not really buying me a coffee. You're putting some money into a pot. And... 
why I want to do that is because I want to do more of these episodes. I want to interview as many change makers as possible. I want to get this podcast out to as many people as possible so that they can start to think about what it is they need and care about their own needs. But in order to do that, there are production and promotional fees that I need to cover. So I'm trying to raise money in order to pay for that. So if you've loved one of the podcasts, if it's made you think in a different way, if it's been a catalyst for anything, then please do consider buying me a coffee and I will put the links in the show notes as always. And then thirdly, if you like what I'm talking about, if it resonates in any way, sign up to my newsletter. I send a little reminder every week to people that they matter too. I put little sprinkles of inspiration in there I talk a bit more about the podcast and I provide some reflective prompts to get you to think about yourself and the impact you want to make please share the podcast please sign up for the newsletter and if you fancy buying me a coffee I'm not gonna say no thank you for listening take very very good good care. care